is about um, social fellowship. And so uh, the author has tried to, uh, the author has, uh, has uh, led us through 11 other different things about what Kunenia is, and he has tried to dissuade us from just believing that Kunenia is, is just only a social fellowship. But it is also a social fellowship. So now comes the time where, where, where we are going to address that part of it. And so we're going to address what is uh, what does Cornelia have to be have to do with coffee times, hanging out, playing games, sports. Um, what does all those things have to do with Cornelia? What does they have to do with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit? And what does all those things have to do with us? Um, the next verse uh, is often used in um, in, evangel- in evangelization. And you might even have a picture of God standing, uh, no, Jesus standing outside the door and knocking. Or even uh, there might be a heart, and Jesus is knocking. Those things are not bad um, uh, at all. But uh, as we read in context, it, 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 if you have your Bible and you read in context, I'll, I'll read it for us now. It's a lot more than than only that. Um, but it says a lot about who God is. So. Um, but we see in the verse um, around, uh, I'm going to read to you from 14, um, and Jesus, he says, or John is supposed to write down, to the angel of the church in Laodicea writes, the words of the Amen, the faithful one, the faithful true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works, you're neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot, so because you are lukewarm and neither cold or cut out, cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy for me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich with white garments, so that you may clothe yourself and uh, close yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and solve and solve to anoint your eyes so that you may see to don't to my love of reproof and discipline so be zealous and repent behold I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come in and eat with him and he with me the one who conquers I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So we see here a church that has missed it. We see here a church that actually locked Jesus outside of the church. There was no room for him in the church, and they saw themselves as rich. They saw themselves as prospered. They didn't need anything. Uh, Jesus' view on them is totally different. Uh, as we read, he sees them as, as wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. He strongly calls them to repent. And he invites them into fellowship. And he says, um, Those whom I love are reproof and disciplined, so he says and repent. 
He's inviting me. He's given them a great invitation. And then he says, the verse there, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and, and eat with him. So this is a great invitation to fellowship with Jesus. Um, and that kind of makes the whole study go back in a circle. Because now we're kind of back at the very beginning. Sharing a common life. We're back to the beginning. We're back to us what he was talking about. And I just haven't let I it just stays in my mind of how God the whole Bible story, the whole story of redemption is a story about a God who seeks out his people, who are longing to have fellowship with us, who is delights in fellowship with us, that we would enjoy him. That in everything we do, we might thank and praise Him. Also in having fun and having, uh, spending our free time. So Jesus asked that church to repent. So they can have fellowship with Him. They were thinking they were needing nothing. Which is really... Which is really maybe also what we hear from a lot of people today. Like, why should I, why do you worship Jesus? Why do you go to church? Like, I have everything. Why would I do that? These today see themselves as, I don't need anything. I have everything. But now we know Jesus sees them differently. Now, this is why I see you guys. You're naked. You have nothing. You should come to me. So for us, it's an encouragement to be like to to share the fellowship we've we've been invited into. Um, you could say that what Jesus is trying to correct in those people and, and us today, and also and also the people that don't know him is Jesus is asking them to turn from the sin of self-reliance, um, self-effort. Um, And then calling them back into fellowship with him. And so, like I just noted before, that that's, that's kind of what the whole redemptive story is about. It's God calling a people. He's making a people first. They break his commandments and the world is broken apart. Sin enters in and all of a sudden we're afraid to be with God. We hide from him. God has a plan to bring us back to him. And so we see that in, we see that in history of how he, he comes to a people. He comes to dwell among the people in the tabernacle, in the in the temple. At Pentecost, he comes to dwell in his people through the Holy Spirit. And and in this season, we call Jesus Emmanuel. God comes to dwell among us. So so God is actually a God who wants fellowship. Who seeks out fellowship with us for our good. Now, now God doesn't really need us because He is in perfect fellowship. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, I was asked the question, at, or it wasn't actually my, the person across from me was asking somebody sitting here a question. It was, what's the last fun thing you did? And it also started to make me thinking. I don't know, what was the 
kind of thing I did. Um, I had a good answer at that point because I just seen I just seen a movie the day before and it was so funny. Um, but the question, the question back to, or the question maybe you're thinking is: Is it even okay to have fun, or is fun always simple? So I have a different approach because, like, when we have our leadership meetings and other meetings, I'm always praying that we would we would laugh, that we, and we do, <laughs> and then we will be serious. And then we will get things done. Why? Well, because laughter does so much for us. I have some uh, statistics uh, at some point that the laughter joins us together and encourages the heart to relax the muscles. I'll, I'll get this. I'm getting ahead of myself, but <clears throat> but uh, but also the question is just so. If you look at if you are a father yourself, or you look at your own father, and you look at God as a father. Does a father take joy in his children smiling and playing and laughing? This is a rhetorical question where most of the time it will be yes, he does. And so when we enter into this, uh, this aspect of social fellowship, I think Jerry Bridges, that's the author of the book, and I finally got his name right, and now we're done with the book, but... Um, uh, he thinks, and I, I agree with him, I, he thinks that some people's spiritual gifts, they actually express themselves, they express themselves best in the fun times and in times of socializing. That some people's gifts, they really come alive there in that setting. And I think that's true. Um, because we are all made with different gifts and abilities. And so I'm not one of those persons where my gifts really come out in socializing and different things, but we'll, 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 we'll get to that. There's a lot of people who God has made where that really increases. They have an easy time connecting with people and talking to people. And so I have this slide where I just want to talk a little bit about these two figures. And, and so the one you find in the book, you find in the book here, uh, where Jerry uh, Bridges talks about um, these social activities are out here, but, but it's a way where we can connect with other people so they could become a friend, or they could become a great friend. Um, but it's normal to start out here. Most people would be very uncomfortable if you ask questions in here to a person out here. So, so it's kind of a way of like, Approaching it, and in a, in a different course, I it, it's talking about five gears of how we are present and productive in each gear. And so, in, in the first gear, you're recharging, you're doing what recharge, what what helps you uh, uh, recharge, like a battery, like your phone and your battery. Um, two, two is more. Two is the bosom friend, like you're close, you're close to somebody, you're talking. It's seri like serious, not serious, but it, it's you're really talking close. Um, and then three, three is uh, you're at a reception and you're walking around and you're talking to people and uh, talking to people. And then fourth, you have a you you are doing it, you are work you're working, but you can shift up and down really fast. And five five is like you don't want to talk to anyone. They just need to go outside and you don't want to talk to anybody because you're really really in the zone and you don't, you don't even hear people say something. So it's very very focused. Now here we talk about number three. 
Three is being present with people and uh, talking to people, getting them to know them. And what's, what's happening in these situations is, uh, for most of us, we would like to get to know people before we start just blurting out everything about ourselves. So it's in third gear and the social events is a time where where people are, you can say, testing, testing maybe is not a good word, but they are, I'll use testing, they're testing to see whether they like you, whether they trust you, whether that you could actually be a friend. And, and so, so some people really come alive in those settings, and they're like, yes, they connect with people easily, they talk with people easily, and then some people, maybe like me, <laughs> they have a very hard time in that gear because I'm not really doing anything. I'm not getting stuff done, and I'm not really talking deeply with anyone, so what are we doing here? So if you're a person that despises small talk and you don't see any purpose in getting to know new people, then we have to be, we have to be challenged because we will get to something a little bit later. <coughs> because there's other people, they love this. They love this so much that they uh, get stuck in third year. They get stuck in third gear and can't move up or down. So they're just always here. And so they just love it, they love it, they love it. They're all over the place. They know every, everyone, but they only know this much about everyone. They know everyone. And so they can, you can get stuck in third gear and not move out of it, but then your friendships are also going to be the same. But like I said before, before some of you come alive there, and you have an easy time connecting with people and, and they trust you and you have an easier time getting to know them and they would like to hear what you're saying. They are ready to hear what you have for them. And that's the gift. But why would we even spend time with models like this? Well, I think, I think just looking at Jesus' life, a lot of his encounters with people start there. A lot of his encounters starts at a marketplace. It starts at a wedding. It starts at a well. Where he's, would you give me something to drink? That's where he starts. That's also where a lot of our interaction starts. Now you can say, like Jesus also says, well, Jesus is a little bit unfair. Like he can turn anything into like a teaching and anything into like a. a, a, a uh, great uh, evangelizations um, and teaching. Um, yeah, but we also have some. We also have some times where it seems like Jesus is just hanging out. He's going to weddings. He's going to. He's he's going to weddings and he's going to pe into people's houses and talking to people. And he gets this reputation opposite his cousin John, John the Baptist, uh, that the Son of Man he came eating and drinking. And they say, look, he's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and of sinners. But wisdom is vindicated by her actions. So he gets a bad reputation of going to lots of parties and hanging out with people. But we know that Jesus wasn't sinning in this, but he was meeting people in heaven. 
He was meeting people where they weren't. Uh, and that quotation was from um, Matthew 11. Um, so he's meeting people where they are. He's meeting people and they're all sinners. Jesus was the only one that was perfect. But he was also just perfect in listening to his Father of when to speak and when just to enjoy what God had created. Even friendship and fellowship with the people he met. I just said a little bit about myself. My tendencies are towards there's always something that needs to get done and there's always something that needs to be taught. So, so if, I, if I'm not careful, uh, careful to cut out, to, to make some time, uh, I, I would have a tendency always, always to do something or work on something. And some of you guys know because you, that's also your line of work. Or even, there's always something to teach the children. There's always more things they need to know. Miles is making eyes. There's always, there's, always, there's always something more to teach. Now, what is interesting about all those things is, um, is that God even gives, gives us a schedule. And he has a, day, he has a day where we're not supposed to work. He has a day where he has a day where we're not supposed to work. He has a Sabbath day where we stop working and where we let God be God and just spend time with Him. And what is what um, what is probably good if you have my tendencies is okay. But then you have to schedule times where you you try to do something fun and. <clears throat> And what could that be for a family, for singles? What, well, what makes you smile? What makes you, what makes you smile and what makes you laugh? What's make, what makes you as children laugh? If you're a single person, what really, what do you enjoy? Is it ice skating, seeing uh, somebody fall down? I mean, that's not so nice, but <laughs> if you have a good time, uh, if you have a good time just uh, trying to learn how to ice skate or something, I'll go out to be a good memory. Uh, Walking in, if you're with your family, mocking, mocking, walking in the woods, throwing leaves. Well, it should have been a little bit earlier than that. Well, if, 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 if it's going to snow, I remember Gabby and other people, they built a huge stone. Well, that's fun. And different things that you can do. Basically, you're just looking at what makes you laugh, what, what makes you enjoy time together. Um, Maybe it's taking a walk. Maybe it's just going swimming. Maybe it's just spending time with somebody you, you like. Um, so, so together we have we can do that as family, as individuals, but also as the church. We have the that's actually why of the vision behind the Alba International French events. That's all third gear time. It's all third gear time where we're inviting people in to do something that we would like to do or we would like to serve them. It's a time where they can see who we are and whether they like us and trust us and they would hear about who we are and what we believe and who we live for. So it creates those uh, social moments. <clears throat> and then I uh, went on Google and researched, I just tapped in, what is the benefits of laughter? 
Well, the benefits of plasma is it, it, it can boost your immune system, it can lower the stress hormone markers, it can decrease your pain, it can relax your muscle, it can pre prevent heart disease, it can add joy, and all the other things there. Uh, so there's many beneficial, beneficial things from laughing and having a good time. But you're sitting there and you might be thinking, but where is the verse that says, thou shalt have fun and social times and thou shalt laugh? I could not find that when I was looking for it, but there's something I think almost just as good as that. Uh, Paul, he writes to the Colossians and he says, Put on them as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another if one has a complaint against another. Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, and you, should, you must forgive. And above all, in your heart, and above all, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you were called in one body, and be thankful. But the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thanksgiving, thanks, thankfulness in your hearts to God. And here it comes. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through Him. So whatever we do, because we are God's chosen holy ones, whatever we do, we put on these, as we seek to have fun, we put on compassionate heart, our kindness, our meekness, our patience, forgiving one another as we begin forgiving Christ. We encourage one another with the singing of songs and with having great thanksgiving to God. And then whatever we do, we give thanks to Jesus through God. So all of life is worship. Whatever we do, socials, fun times. In the fun times and in the great times, we should give glory to God and praise and thanks. There's one guy, I can't, I can't remember. There's one guy that says like, for the believer, everything has another extra dimension. Whether it's good food, whether it's fantastic time around a table just laughing, whether it's uh, whatever it is, has an extra dimension. And that's when it's turned into the hearts and to praise. So everyone in the world can enjoy good, good wine, if you can buy it. Everybody can enjoy good food. Everybody can have great relationships. But for the Christian, there's something different. There's another layer of when this is turned into praise in my heart, this can be an even more enjoyment of all those things. And just talking just a little bit more about why I believe God is a... I didn't, I didn't have a better word than fun, so I put fun in quotations. Why? Just talking a little bit about what I think why God is a fun God. 
And of course, this all depends on how, what we mean, what fun is, but I think at least he's got a great sense of humor. Is, is when we look at what all the things God has created, I think we see that he is pretty uh, humorous. I would give evidence of one, the giraffe. Like it doesn't, like, like why would you create a giraffe if it wasn't just because you thought it looked funny and it runs like fantastic. It's got horns and it's like huge. And then whatever your favorite animal is or not is, there's just the variety of all the things he's created, he's created is, is crazy. He's got a little beetle that can make an explosion inside of itself and then the explosion comes out and it scares people. It chemical, chemicals comes out of its back and it's like, try to, like, to uh, defend itself. It's like, who comes up with that? That's why I think it's... Um, but then also another, another point is, if you don't think the draft is funny, this one's maybe going to hit a little closer to home. What happens when you look in the mirror? Who could come up with that? And just think about how many there are of us. Um, yeah, it's one of us. <laughs> but so many people. And then, the whole, this might be a conversion one, but now all the kids, now all the kids is not here. My, my daughters, but... Okay, so that, okay, you can argue maybe this is part of the fall, but... We all have gas. Whether we burp or fart, everybody has that. And so it doesn't matter if you're the king or the president, you're the pastor, you're the headmaster of the school, everybody burps and farts. That is funny. Because <laughs> it doesn't matter who you are, but God still chose to make us that way. And so it doesn't matter, like, oh, I'm the king of something. Yeah, you still go to the bathroom and you still have gas in your stomach sometimes and you fart and you burp. So I think that is funny of like, it doesn't matter how great you think you are. You're all the same species. That's a social event right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think when we just like, when we were stopping and reflect about who God is, all the trying to add in there, like maybe he's actually like, super creative, and actually maybe actually he has a great, well, he has the perfect sense of humor, and also if God has humor, and we are. Um, we also have it. We don't have it perfectly. But then Jesus must also have had the perfect sense of humor. Um, and then, but uh, but also reflecting on this, it's like, but what is the, what about the Bible? Is this is there funny stories in there? Oh, I just I just have one coming to mind now. The God makes the donkey speak. I mean, that's funny. Uh, at some point, he, like Balaam is like doing something, and they, he keeps beating his donkey, and the donkey donkey speaks. I mean, he doesn't really react because he's very mad, but that's a funny day when the donkey starts to speak to you. Um, but also, there's I think there's lots of other things, and I think as, as you're going through, you would see that. But I think because we're so familiar with many of the stories, we might miss the fun parts. Because I was, I was thinking about another one where, where the Jews come to Peter and say, Hey, are you paying the temple tax? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> he goes to Jesus. And Jesus says, Should we pay it? He's like, I, I think we should. Okay, go to the sea, catch a fish, and then you'll find the money. 
I mean, that's funny. Yeah. I mean, because, like, who does that? Who sends, like, the guy, we got to pay taxes, go catch a fish, you find a coin. I mean, that's interesting. And also the same thing with, just, just think about every time Jesus asks them to do something, like, before, before Palm Sunday, he asks them, go get somebody's donkey. And they're like, what? Like, yeah, go get the donkey. And it's like, and then it's like, he knows what they're thinking. It's like, what if somebody says something? Just say, just say the mask, don't use it, and send it back. Kind of like Star Wars. The master has to use it. We will send it back. And it's just like, just saying that was like, and then also like, um, I had this when I was a kid, and my, I had this when I was a kid, and my mom kind of persuaded me to stop doing it. It was like, I would just scare people. <laughs> and my mom said like, what? Interesting, because one kid does it too. Um, but, but my mom was like, well, you can't do that to your grandparents. They might have a heart attack and fall over. But that's just another thing. But, but just think about that. Think about that. You, you are sitting, you're sitting in your living room, and all of a sudden, an angel shows up. How about, boom! Like, every time, every time the, the angel shows up, the first thing they have to do is, like, calm the person down. It's got to be a little bit on the funny side of people showing up at somebody's house. Hello, Mary. It was like, so you come in, it's like, boom, it's me. That's, that's, uh, you think about it, think about it. Uh, and, and I think when we just look at those things, there are at least things that are, at least things where we can be like, okay, this is at least, maybe I don't understand the joke, but it's at least very odd. Um, if you look at when the God laughs, it's actually really not that funny. <laughs> Because when God laughs, is really mostly at people who are going to get punished, and because they don't, because they don't trust Him. So, but, um, and as I said before, um, God is social in Himself because He's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's a perfect relationship from all time. Incredible thing about it is that he reaches out to us and invites us into fellowship with him. It shows that he's not just social with himself, but he actually invites us in. I think a challenge for us is to be like a, as we have great fellowship with Him and one another, we're encouraged to invite other people in to fellowship with Him. Believing we have a very social and probably very fun and exciting God, we look at Jesus in His life and we see the Holy Spirit and the nearness that invades our lives. God promises I will never leave you or forsake you. Um, we've reached the we've reached like the the last sermon in this series, and uh, what's the key to remember all of this? And I think Jerry, I can call him Jerry now. Jerry, <laughs> Jerry brings out this great point. Um, that we're called to be one body, members of one another. We've gone through these verses before, 
But I think he had like this good summation. And if you read the last part of the book, it, these verses kind of summarize the whole thing. They summarize the the share the common life we share together. But also that we 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 are by grace one body together. For by grace you have been for the grace for by the grace given to me I say to everyone do not think more highly of than you ought to think, but think with sober judgment each according to the measure of the faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members of one another do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individual members of one another. In Christ, we are one body. In Christ, we can have this common life together and share that life together. In this, in Christ, we are members individually of one another. And then those things might flow a little bit easier than when we spend 12 weeks examining all of them. Understanding that we are one body in Christ. <clears throat> we'll hopefully continue in our fellowship to mean that we love one another, we continue to pray for one another, we continue to have communion with one another in all these different areas of sharing common life, giving, serving, enjoying, having fun, uh, reaching out. What it really means that if we know we are in Christ, we are in this one body, and we are members of one another. I have my uh, uh, aunt. And that leads us to where we started. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking bread and in prayer. It leads us right back where we started. When we understand that we're one body in Christ, then we start understanding more what this fellowship word means throughout the New Testament. Um, have the questions for the week. Um, just reflecting on those things. Is God social? Is God fun? What about Jesus? How do you live? Is he fun? Um, do you like small talk and socializing? Is there any funny boy? Is there any funny stories in the Bible? How do we live out whatever we do in word and deed? Do it all to the glory of Christ? How do we live out and what does it mean to be one body in Christ? What does the fellowship of Acts 2 for each mean? And what are you taking from the sermon series where we studied Kernanian? So we've gone through this in the last 12, 14, 15 weeks. And it's my hope and prayer that God's been teaching you so many things about what community is, about what fellowship is. And that you don't just, you know, throw the book on the shelf and forget all about it. But the things that he has taught you, you remember them. And you don't end up as the first church we read about. That you think you're totally fine, but Jesus sees you totally different. But instead that you live lives of thanksgiving, giving glory to God in whatever circumstance. Knowing that Jesus 
is the one who said to the church, repent, come in. He's the one who made a way for all of us to live this life in Christ. Because of his life and his death and his resurrection and he's coming back, God has made a way for us to kunimia with him, fellowship with him, what the whole redemption story was about. Reconciling us back to him. When we know that, we can have a common life. Let us pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we are thankful. You're an awesome, amazing God. And God, I want to apologize for the many times I only see you as a God who's just like a little bit angry all the time. Because God, just examining you are the perfect Father. You smile when your sons and daughters are enjoying who you are. And so we just thank you for that. Thank you so much that you have made a way where there was no way. That we can actually have communion with you. We can actually have fellowship with you in and through your son, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, remind all of us about this is not about our effort. This is not about our effort. This is about believing the true things. And Lord, we pray against all the schemes and effects of the evil one. Lord, we pray that you multiply a light and our multiply a light and our ability to sow seeds, ability to pray for people that need to get to know you, Lord. And we'll see that happen. And we pray against the enemy that there would not be confusion. That you would help us clear communication and help and pray and love one another because we know you love us. We really just ask that you continue that in each and every one of us. Grow us in love for you and our neighbors. And we ask that you do that. Help us to be faithful in that calling. Help us to know that in you, nobody and nothing can touch us. Help us to not be led astray by our own selfish ambitions, our frustrations, or the cares of this world. But Lord, that in you, we can stand with you and one another. May you bless each person here. May you guard our hearts. You fill us with your spirit this point so we can just we can do what you ask us to do. Let us hear your voice clearly. Let us understand you clearly. And then we in your grace live every moment we can with thanks, thanks thankfulness to you and experience true joy and glorifying you whatever we do. May we each with praise of your glory in Jesus' name.